0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 224 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show, from America to Africa. Please support our sponsors as they make this show
0: possible. Our sponsors this week are Draper Therapies, Charles Owen, and Stable Comfort by Promat. You can find all of them at (laughs) stablescoop.com.
2: Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the
3: Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. They're bringing the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop. Cause
2: it's time again for stable scoop. Stable scoop. Stable scoop. Stable
1: scoop.
0: I'm Glenn the Geek,
1: and I'm Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. <laughs> I'm laughing because this is the second take on that, and. I don't know. How many how many times have we said that opening line? And I know,
0: a thousand. <laughs> it seems and, like.
1: And, and I think I've messed it up like 999 times. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Stable Scoop.
0: We hope you all had a terrific Thanksgiving and that uh, you're now plowing ahead to Christmas here. We are going around the world today. We have guests from all over the place, including one coming to us all the way from South Africa. So uh, so we we have three guests, actually, today. We're just going to hop right into it, I think, because we've got so much to talk about. We have our usual uh, monthly social media report with Jamie Clark of Yellow Barn Media. And then we're joined by uh, Amber Mathewson of Whisper, Whispering Rain Farms, and that is in South Africa. We're going to talk to her about how she ended up there and uh, what it's like to live in South Africa with all the wild animals. We have our Helmet Series, and also uh, we have a and Habit pick for you this week. So we just have a whole lot to do in an hour.
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. We better go pee now. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) Well, let's get started. Let's just go right into our uh, monthly social media report with Jamie Clark from Yellow Barn Media. Well, hi, Jamie, and welcome back to the Stable Scoop Show.
4: Hi Glenn, thanks for having me.
0: What are we talking about this month?
4: We are going to be talking about video marketing and video blogging.
0: Ah, see now this scares me to death because I definitely have a face for radio. <laughs> I'm in the right job.
4: <laughs> well, we're going to we're going to talk today a little bit about what it is and why we should use it as as we market for our business. Okay. And really, in, in, its, in its simplest form, video marketing is really just creating a promotional video for your product or your service and uploading it to the Internet.
0: Okay. And
4: so, so it's pretty simple, but it does scare a lot of people. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. And these videos, Glenn, can be shared on your website, on your social media sites, and more importantly, they can be shared with other businesses to cross-promote your product to their audience. So, you know, if you have videos promoting your product or service, and they've got videos promoting their product or service, you really can um, help build each other's businesses by sharing with like-minded businesses as well.
0: Now, what's, what makes a good video? You know, there's lots of crappy videos out there, and, and some are too long. You know, what, what really makes a good, effective marketing video?
4: Well, I think really as far as that goes, as far as it being effective, if you're talking about a, a promotional video for your business to share exactly what your business has to offer and your passion and vision behind that, you know, something between one and three minutes is is a good thing to go by as far as time, because we all know we live in a very busy world and most of us, we just don't have a lot of time. So we need to make it exciting. We need to capture their attention, you know, within one to three minutes and I do recommend, and I'm going to talk about, I'll actually uh, talk about this now, uh, what I recommend for any business, no matter what you do, is have at least one professional video for your business.
1: Professional. And Good. I'm glad you use the word professional because, you know, <laughs> my hand shakes a lot.
4: <laughs> do, you, do you get
1: that? I mean, that's one of the things that I notice when you are, when you're really trying to gain information from a video, you're not just, you know... You, Really, that's the point, is is the the person who's making the video is trying to share this information. But it's hard to focus on it when there's movement, when, you know, basically when an amateur does it. So I just cut you off, but I just wanted to say that it's important. I think it's important as well to have um, the the professional imagery. How do you get that? How do you go out and find somebody who does that, especially for horses, someone who understands horses?
4: Well, there are a few. I'm, I'm personally connected with a few individuals that are really into the horse industry um, that are great at what they do, and of course they'll travel, and you know you'll have to pay for that travel to have your video done. But what I recommend is, and I'm happy to help anyone with this too, because uh, all of us have really good connections. But it's you need to find. It's great to find someone in the horse industry that can do your video. However, a good video company knows. What to do, what questions to ask, and they can produce a video no matter if you are a bowling champion or you ride horses. You know, so whatever you do, a, a good video company can truly capture exactly what your mission and vision is. And a, a good video company, this is what I like about having one professionally done, is that they will tell you where to stand, where the light is good, what to say, when to stop, and, and then they take over after and edit it, and they make you look really good.
0: <laughs> like I do with you our, every week, Alina.
1: Exactly. I Hey, I, <laughs> I throw my hands up and say, <laughs> indeed. I mean, there's, there's so much that we want to do ourselves, partly because of budget, partly because we think we can, and partly because we feel like no one can really capture our business or our idea or our horse's movement quite the way we can. So it takes a fair amount of trust. turn that over to somebody else Um, so I guess that's the other thing is you kind of have to feel comfortable
4: well and I think I think what's important to know is this and you you what you just said makes total sense because for any professional video I have I have had done for my business or myself they have probably shot 30 minutes to an hour of footage because obviously you make mistakes, you say things, your horse does something weird, you know, something crazy happens. And they take all of that and edit it down to one to three minutes. And if you're working with someone that is professional, that does this for a living, you're going to be able to make edits and you're going to be able to say, you know, I don't really like how this looks, can we try this? And then creatively you work together to make sure that the final product is exactly what you want. And a lot of people also, you had mentioned You know, cost is a big thing. A lot of people say, well, I don't have $5,000 for a professionally edited video. Start where you can. There are, I I work with um, a very local company here in Michigan, and they charge about $350 for a video. And they're very, very good at what they do. They don't have 20 years of experience, but if you look at my website, they did my video, and most people that see it love it. So there are definitely, it's definitely an investment in your company for sure. And yes, of course you can pay someone 5 or $10,000 to do a series of videos for you and that's definitely worth it as well. But what I recommend is at least invest in yourself and your company enough to have one video done that's professional. And then here's my absolute favorite thing to do. Now, keep in mind I love being behind the camera and I mean in front of the camera I should say. Um, most people don't. Most people have a fear of public speaking or they don't want to be filmed. But what I do for my business, I do video blogging. And so I have my one or two professional videos that can show someone what I do you know, on my website and my social media. But then I do video blogging with my iPhone.
0: And, 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 for, and you know that's funny too because uh, you, you, who would have thought that years ago we'd we'd be doing you know really high definition good quality videos with our iPhones?
4: Exactly. <laughs> who would have thought you you could get your internet on your phone? Yeah. So <laughs>
0: yeah, it's true.
4: Um, and so with with the video blogging, this is how simple it is. You know, whether you have an iPhone, a smartphone, or you have like a flip camera that has the video, any of those will work. Literally, I usually use my pony as my co-host. A lot of times in the winter, I'm even bundled up in my barn clothes. I might not even look that fantastic. But, but I'm, in, you know, I'm in my environment. I'm in the environment of the people that I'm trying to reach. And I just press play. And I give a social media tip for the day or whatever it is that I want to share. I turn the camera off. And then with my iPhone, it will directly upload to YouTube. So while well, I'm doing chores or riding my horse, my video is uploading to YouTube. So time, it doesn't take a lot of time. It just takes a lot of practice if you're not used to doing it.
1: That's a good point, practice. Yeah, it's not that you can't do it. You just have to start it and then keep working at it until you get something that you like.
4: Yes. And, and you know, that works you- really
1: at the end of the day when you, you're like, you know, anybody who creates something, I don't know if you feel this way, you kind of, you keep at it, you keep at it until you like it. And then you say, okay, I'm done. That's my finished product. And depending on how creative and how obsessive you are, that process can go yes. on forever. But um, that's a really good point is just to keep at it. Like the first, for me, I'll pick up a little video camera or a regular camera and I'm like, oh, that didn't come out right. I can't do this. Forget it. I'm, <laughs> I, I totally suck at this. But you do get better if you keep practicing it.
4: Well, and I think this is my encouragement to everyone out there that says, because I hear this all the time, Jamie, I don't want to be on camera. I'm not made to be recorded. That's not me. But here's the thing. If you are doing what you love, whatever, you know, whether you're promoting a product or a service, you have a passion for that. And it doesn't matter if you don't look super polished and you are not someone that's going to go on the nightly news as a career if you can just show that you're passionate people, that's what people want to see. I have honestly had people call me and say, I just watched your video. I want to hire you. And it still to this day floors me because they don't know me, but because they, they really felt the passion for what I do through my video, they want to hire me, you know, or at least have a further conversation with me. So I just would encourage people just try it because the world needs what your business has to offer. And this is just one more way to really get that out there.
0: You can see that video that Jamie's talking about by going to yellowbarnmedia.com. That's yellowbarnmedia.com. And you'll see the video right there on her homepage, as well as the rest of the information on her website. If you want to get a hold of Jamie, that's a a good way to do it. As well as on your homepage, like any good uh, uh, marketing person, you have your Facebook, your Twitter, your LinkedIn, your YouTube, and everything listed right there. Yes, sir. Uh, very good. Well, thank you, Jamie. We appreciate you joining us again. Uh, Helena, I'm very excited. I I found this next guest on Facebook. I I don't know why. I think she uh, she was a listener and and fi- friended me on Facebook, and I've been following your posts ever since. And I've been wanting. I just been saying, you know, we got to get her on the show. We finally did. She uh, lives in South Africa, and she's always posting these pictures of these wild animals in her backyard, and she's driving down the road, and there's a giraffe crossing the road, and... And, you know, she works with horses over there. And I said, you got to come on the show and tell us what it's like to live in the wilds of South Africa. So we, 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 we got her on, and we, she agreed to do the interview today. And we managed to get a half-decent phone connection. So uh, let's take a listen to Anver Mathewson from Whispering Rain Farms in South Africa, right after this word from Draper Therapies. Hi, Glenn here from the Horse Radio Network, and I am back with Kat from Draper Therapies. What are we talking about this week?
5: Well, I thought I would bring back a year-round favorite of ours, which is the Draper Therapies socks. My and... favorite! Woohoo! Woohoo! Yeah, which is why I thought it would come up, because a lot of people end up buying the socks in the styles that we have available for gifts for the holidays. But regardless, it's a great gift to have year-round for yourself or for somebody else when you're not really sure what to get them. The socks themselves come in two styles. There's an active sock, which is a shorter sock that goes up just to the ankle. And then we also have a walking sock that comes in black or all white, and those go up mid-calf. So they're really great socks. They all have the salient uh, technology in them, which helps to increase circulation and reduce pain. And what they, we've called them before is kind of an energy drink for your feet, and that they really help give you a little bit more pep in the step, And they take away some of the burn that you might feel, especially if you're on your feet all day. If you're training and you're on your feet or if you're walking around maybe doing a course walk, things like that. The socks are a huge, huge help.
0: And I can vouch for these because you saved my butt at the WEG. My feet were killing me after walking all day, every day for like five days at the WEG and I had like 14 more days to go. And you gave me a couple pairs of these socks, and they saved me. I wore them every day after that, and my feet felt great. And about three days after I started wearing them, they were back to normal. And I'll tell you what, I have worn them ever since then. Yeah, just, they're
5: really fabulous. I mean, I love them for myself because even when we're at shows and things like that, or if I'm on my feet all day and, you know, you wake up the next morning and you got pins and needles and it just hurts to walk when you get up. If you go to bed in these socks, it totally gets rid of that. Or if you wear them during the day, you don't get that feeling at the end of the day. So it's, they're really, really fantastic items. And, you know, for either the $13 or the $15 you'd be spending on the socks, it's not a huge investment just to try it out and see what kind of benefits you can get from it.
0: And they last forever. I am still wearing the ones you gave me at the World Equestrian Games. Now, I've gotten some more since then, but I'm still wearing those particular pairs. So they do last a long time. And, and they work, 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 work. I highly recommend them. Terrific stocking stuffers for the holidays this year.
5: Absolutely. And you can find all of our information at drapertherapies.com.
0: Well, hello, Amber, and welcome from South Africa to the Stable Scoop Show.
3: Hi guys,
6: I'm so glad to be here. So, thanks for having me.
0: And by the way, thank you for being a listener. I know you listen to the shows and and that's really how we got in touch was through Facebook and I've been following you for a long time and seeing these amazing pictures that you keep posting. I said, I got to have her on the show to talk about all these wild animals that live in your backyard. <laughs> um,
6: but it is it is amazing.
0: Tell us first about where did you grow up? You you get you have an accent that's all confused.
6: Yes, it is a very confused accent. I was born and raised in the South in the Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, the tri-state area. And uh, I'm now 33, I believe. And so I lived in the South all my life until March. And that's when we moved to South Africa.
0: And when did horses pop into your life?
6: I would say before I popped out of the womb, um, my mom was always a horse lover, and I was her excuse to get back into the horses, so I've got photos of me being held on a horse when I was in diapers, and I got my first pony when I was six, and I don't think I've spent a day without a horse of my own since I was six
0: years old. Did you compete at all in any way?
6: I've done some low-level com- competitions, mainly for fun. Uh, my family never had a lot of money, so the horses that we had, we we trained them to to do what we wanted to do, and I had would have one horse I would show in barrels, and then I would come out and change the saddle and then jump in to a, an English class and then do a jumping class and then a halter class. So, um, the the few horses that we had, we did a little bit of everything with them. It was more for fun. It wasn't really for the competition. It was more for the experience, the training, and the fun of it. So it was more more enjoyable than the um, all the competition and the depth of it.
0: That sounds familiar, <laughs> Helena.
6: Yeah,
1: but, yeah very. <laughs> and I never get tired of hearing it. Right. So now you uh, you –
0: you know, now you live in South Africa. How did you end up going from Tennessee to South Africa?
1: That's the $64 million yes. question. it is <laughs> yes. a big leap. It, it
6: is actually... That's a big leap. I'm sorry? That's a big leap. Yes. <laughs> it's a huge, it was a big puddle to jump across. But uh, long story short, I met my husband through skydiving. And we were set up on a blind date. Um, yeah,
0: wait a minute.
5: Hold on, hold on. Hold on.
6: <laughs> I met my husband <laughs> through skydiving, and we were set up
1: on a blind date. Which of those things is scarier?
6: <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Depends on which day you ask me and what kind of adrenaline mood I'm in at the moment. <laughs>
0: Now, were you a skydiver, or was this your first time, and you were both scared to death? It was my very
6: first time. Oh, my. It was my very first time. I went with a a friend. Well, actually, it was kind of a blind date skydive with a guy that that we were just going to be friends. And at the skydiving place, it was Skydive Alabama. They're, They're rocking there. And they said, this guy used to work for us, he's from Africa, he lives in Florida now, but you would be perfect for him, you guys should hook up. And I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. And they did the same thing to him, and then they asked me, uh, I went back a week later to just kind of watch and hang out, and they said, can we please put you guys in touch with each other, because you guys would be so perfect for each other. I was like, okay, sure. So they put us in contact, long story short, we talked for a month or so, and then I went down to meet him. And we've been together ever since. We dated long distance for three months. I would drive 12 hours to see him every weekend. And I got a job where he worked so I could afford to drive back and forth. So on the weekend I would drive down, spend the weekend, work while I was there, see him an hour or two, come back. And then he moved closer and we moved, I moved closer. Long story short, we got married um about a year after that. So, <laughs> so that's kind of how we met. So his family and everything still is in South Africa. He was born and raised in South Africa. And we came over here to meet his family before he proposed to me to make sure they approved. And luckily they did. So in the airplane on the way back to the States, he proposed. And then a year later, we came back and got married over here. And um, obviously still living in the States. And then we gave birth to our daughter and brought her over here to meet the family and every single time I came here, a little piece of my heart and soul seemed to stay. We would go back, and it was like a piece of me never really came back with me. And every time I came, a bigger piece of me stayed. And I could just feel it in my heart that we were meant to live here one day. I just didn't know when, why, and how that was ever going to be possible. But knowing that his family was here, was went was a little easier, obviously. Uh, but it just kind of worked out. in October last year... He came over for his dad's birthday party as a surprise. We couldn't afford to go. So my, my husband came over here for his dad's 60th and surprised him at his birthday. And his brothers offered him um, a spot in the business. They have a construction business here. And he said, you know, could, would you come over and be a part of the Matthewson Group construction? And he came back and talked to me about it. And I said 100% Yes. Everything fell into place. We found a for our for our house within one week without even putting it on the market. Wow. <laughs> Every, everything fell into place. He was like God said, okay, this is meant to be. I'm just going to go and line everything up for you, make it easy. Then there we are. So it's long story short. That's kind of how we got here. <laughs>
0: Wow, amazing, and and it sounds like a whirlwind too in a way. Yeah, so, well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah,
1: come on, she's not the type to sit back and take things easy. <laughs>
0: Have you well, ever skydived yeah. since <laughs> then? By the way,
6: I'll start the whirlwind. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever skydived since then, or was that the only time?
6: Well, I've I've done six altogether. The first one was when they told me about Jamie. And my husband, and he just got out an instructor. So my next five jumps were with him. They're all uh, tandems. I've never done a solo jump. That was so it. The next five...
0: That's tandem yep, skydiving. That <laughs> Apparently, that's romantic, Helena.
6: I <laughs> <laughs> it does, y'all. I've got a picture of our very first date that was taken from 10,000 feet with Florida underneath us, and we're just dangling in the sky. So that was our first date photograph. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's something. So now, Africa, I see these amazing pictures on Facebook, which oh, is one of the reasons I contacted yeah. you, of all of the animals, like in your backyard, you're, you're always taking these pictures of a- elephants and giraffes and, and a lot of wild pigs for some reason, um, you know, oh, that, yeah. that you just see how, out where you live. So tell us about where you live and how amazing it is.
6: We're living in the Hoodstrike Wildlife Estate, and basically it's a gated estate, Uh, which makes for added security so you have a a security gate to come through and it's all paved roads where the houses are and they have dirt roads to go off into the wilderness where most of the animals would would live Um, it's not a big five place so you don't have elephants in line in the estate where we are, or well, buffalo break in when they feel like it and come in there, and but there are um, cheetahs and leopards that are, are there, and you can hear the lions roaring from our kitchen or our bedroom sometimes at night. So they're they're nearby, but they're not on on the property.
0: Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Helena's thinking the same thing, so we're going to stop you there. How many (laughs) nights did it take you to get used to hearing lions roaring in the middle of the night?
1: Oh, I thought it was. That would would be easy. That's a a nice sound, I think.
6: Yeah, some people even hear but they can't stand it, giving them the creeps. But it is the most wonderful feeling. I'm the kind of person, if it's a thunderstorm, I sleep better than on a quiet night. Yeah, so it's the most amazing feeling to lie in bed and hear that deep earth trembling roar of a lion to to remind you how alive you are. It is the most amazing feeling. I lay there and goose pimples from my head to my toes, and just (laughs) smile, thanking God for putting me in this place.
1: I don't see. I don't need to interview anybody else ever again. I will take that little segment and and I literally I will take it to sleep with me every night and hold it close to my heart because there are people in this world, Amber, that that is exactly what defines them. That those feelings that you take with you, that yeah. the earth sound and smell and sight and. A lion's roar represents the depth of that, you know. Um, yes. And 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 I think it appeals to a very specific type of person. Glenn, it's not going to appeal to you. You're not a horse person. You're a horse husband. <laughs> I
0: got to tell you though, I might, I'd be able to handle that better. We had a bobcat that lived in near our first place, and when when they're in heat, oh my God, it sounds like somebody's torturing a baby. You know, it's awful. God. <laughs> You know, and it is an awful oh. screeching, you know, menacing horror movie sound. It's a little different than a lion roaring. But uh,
6: yeah. uh yeah. I'm sure it's you get those kind of sounds
0: day. too in the in the neighborhood.
6: Yeah. Oh, there is there's so many amazing sounds that we hear um on any given night. Um I've been hearing a lot of zebras, and we don't call them zebras here. They're zebras. Really? Uh, a lot of times at night I even hear call hear the zebras. So technically that's the proper way to say the word, but huh. Americans Say zebra instead, that. but it's, they're actually zebra, So but I got um, taught that really quick by everyone. You want to hear the zebras at night, and they make the strangest sound. It doesn't sound like any kind of equine animal out there. Um, we hear hyena all the time at night, and jackal real close as well. Um, during the day, we hear also uh, the warthogs. It's getting close to mating season, and all the little warthog babies, you've probably seen the warthog babies posted on my yes. Facebook page. All the little warthog babies are running around, So now the moms are fighting over other moms, and the the, the males are coming in, waiting for the, the females to come and meet. So that's quite an interesting sound. And the impala, there's lots and lots of impala out, and when they're mating, it sounds like a cheetah choking on a warthog when they start making that noise when they're in rut. It's the strangest sound I've ever, ever heard. And I would try to mimic it if it wasn't uh, too, too embarrassing for me to even try to make the noise. It's the craziest sound ever, the way they call for them mates. Weird.
0: <laughs> okay, Helena, ask her what she had for Thanksgiving dinner.
3: <laughs>
6: no.
1: Ask her.
0: No, go ahead and ask her. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, fine. Well, first of all, you did celebrate Thanksgiving. What what did your Thanksgiving meal consist of?
6: We had ostrich for Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, and how does that taste? <laughs> it's actually amazing, and it does not taste like chicken at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or turkey? What? Does it
1: taste like you turkey? Know, you know what? Chicken <laughs> in the United States doesn't taste like chicken. <laughs> Tastes like antibiotics. So you know, let's try some ostrich. Um, is, yeah. are, they,
6: are they farm raised or is it wild? Um, I I didn't ask them where they came from. I just ate them. I'm sorry. No, said, we don't said, ask.
1: Was fine. <laughs> <laughs> she just where we
6: play. got them. <laughs> was afraid to ask where <laughs> her meal came from. I don't blame you. They, all, they were at the local pick and pay. They were already put on the kebabs. And they were marinated. So we bought them and brought them home, lit a fire in the bra. We don't barbecue here, we brie. So we lit a fire in the brie and put them on the, the bra. And we just had some cream potatoes. We had mashed potatoes. We had mashed potatoes and cream corn with it. So there's my southern accent coming back. We had some mashed potatoes and cream corn with our ostrich kebab. So it was definitely a southern South African style. Thanksgiving. I would try that. Sure,
0: I'd try that. I'd definitely try that. Uh, now, tell <laughs> us too. You, you uh, work and volunteer at a place that uh, caught my interest as well, and, and Helena and I were talking about it a little bit. What is the African Dream Horse Safari?
6: Oh, it is amazing! It is right outside the gates of our wildlife estate, and they actually ride the horses in the wildlife estate, but they've got a wonderful setup with the dressage arena, jumping arena, and paddocks and uh, small training arenas, round pens, and stuff. And they actually take students from all around the world. They have a wonderful student program where a lot of kids will come on a gap year right after they graduate. Some kids will come during school, right after school, during their college university years. And they'll, some spend a few weeks, some spend a few months, some might stay six months or a year and they can take part in different programs. Some, they might just be wanting to enjoy the horse experience more. Some, they might be working on becoming a veterinarian. Um, Also, some are going to be doing wildlife research, and the the African Dream Horse Safari also has a game lodge nearby, so the the students stay at the game lodge, and they come to the the horse safari daily uh, with the owners, and they have all kinds of programs set up for them it is amazing. So I've been really blessed to have the opportunity to to help them and work with them and just be in the company of, of all the wonderful horses they have there. That's really wonderful.
0: Let me, uh, Helena. Let me read this to you. This is off their Facebook page at the African Dream Horse Safari. It says, "What a magic game drive with the students today! Started off with two brother cheetahs walking in front of us for about thirty minutes." Uh, as we carried on, we saw great general game and birds. Soon afterwards, we encountered a, a, hyena, a hyena sleeping on the road. Then he got up, stretched, and walked past us into the bushes. Just as the sun started to set, we drove past a breeding pair of buffalo and didn't stay long in order to get a good spot in the sunset. And, you know, what, a, what an amazing thing for those students that could get to go there.
6: Yeah. It
0: is absolutely amazing. Yeah. And now you help with the horses uh, there. Right
6: now, I'm giving uh, Western riding lessons, and everything they do is English, and they do dressage and jumping, and um, everything. All the saddles are English except for the trail saddles. It's kind of like an Australian top saddle that they use on on the trails, where so I just call them trail saddles. So they don't have any Western riding instructors. So I'm giving some Western riding lessons, and whenever a horse comes in. That needs to be trained or needs needs a, a trainer. They will contact me or put me in touch with the owners. So I've done some training as well, and I really enjoy getting to train a horse in Africa. To be on their back when I see warthogs and impala and and stuff like that for the first time, it's quite quite exciting. Taking them for swims in the dam, it's wonderful. So you
1: have uh, you have some favorites. You've got some special creatures there living with you, um, in your little slice of heaven. Tell us about a very
6: special one. Tell us about Trooper. Trooper is, to me, very, very, very special. He is a Mustang from Nevada, and I got him through the Extreme Mustang Makeover program. I took part in the the Makeover program in 2009. And um, long story short, right before I was going to turn in my application, to apply for that, I found out that I had heart trouble, and I ended up in the ICU for three days. And when I got out of ICU, and they thought that medication would would kind of keep me sorted with my heart, I had an arrhythmia, of the atrial fibrillation. And um, so, I went ahead and turned in my application quickly and got accepted. So excited! And as I'm waiting to go pick up my Mustang. I start having more trouble. I'm in the hospitals again, and the medicine's not working. So they, they decided they're going to need to do um, surgery. Luckily, not open-heart. They were able to do an ablation where they went in through um, my arteries and my groin. And that that took place on July the 13th of 2009. And five days later, I went to pick up my Mustang. I still have my bandages on. I can't stand up straight. I'm walking hunched over. And uh, we, it was going to be, I'm going to take part in the Mustang program. It's going to be an experience. We're going to keep him. I'm going to have him for the 90 days, take part in the competition. He's going to be auctioned off at the end, go to a great home. I've, I've done something for the Mustangs. The Mustangs, I'm sure, will have taught me something by then. So it was going to be one of those things. I had to promise my husband that I will not fall in love. I knew I would, but that I would be okay to say goodbye. It's just like a horse that's been trained that belongs to someone else. I must be able to say goodbye at the end of the the whole ordeal. You know, so I agree to that. But when we go to fetch him, he's huge. He's 15.3 and a, a good 1,000 pounds when we when we go pick him up. And for a Mustang, that's pretty big. The average Mustang's is around 14.2 and kind of small, slender build. But he was huge. So there's definitely a draft horse in the wood pile somewhere uh, with him. <laughs> So uh, we my husband says there's no way we're taking this Mustang home. He's going to tear everything we have. He's going to tear it through you. And I said no, that's the one that I was built. There must be a reason. Let's go ahead and take him. And there was this, uh, a few guys there that were quite larger than myself that said, "Surely, don't you want to change? Don't you want to swap with me? Look at that little squirt over there that's mine. Don't you think that's more your style than to a swap?" I said, "No, no, I'm taking my Mustang." So I named him Trooper after my uh, cardiologist, Doctor Troop. So he got the name Trooper and the P R O U P E R. So we brought him home. Two weeks later my husband comes to me and he says, You realize we're gonna have to figure out a way to keep this horse done you. And I was like, Yeah Because okay, we've already gotten a bond, just him being there and just seeing a wild horse that didn't didn't know where he was, didn't know what to do, but he was already looking to me uh, as, as that guidance. And um I worked with him for the, the 90 days um, some, some days I had to skip all together because I just didn't have energy. some days I might spend five ten minutes with him and I'm too tired to continue so I' put him up uh, We have a lot of rain there was two three weeks straight so I didn't even couldn't even touch him brushing because it was just raining constantly and we didn't have anything covered for me to work with. So I'm catching, I'm keeping up with all the blogs of the other trainers, and they're like, i just finished to my 3 hour workout with my Mustang today. Tomorrow we're going to do two hours in the morning and two hours at night. And I'm thinking, oh, we're going to be trained. <laughs> I'm going to get there with this wild horse, and everyone else is going to have these perfectly trained horses. But um, in the long run, it ends up being the best thing ever because we had such a strong bond, a trust, but even though I was taking it so easy and the time I spent with him was so minimal, it was quality time. And it, we never took steps backwards, which I, I have a lot of horses. You, you take a few steps forward and then you take a step backwards and you take a few steps forward and then you go backwards. We never went backwards. We seemed to always go ahead. And when I would put him out and we'd have a week of rain when I flung him back down and a week later, we were always where we left off. And he he really was so special and touched my heart. But then we didn't have the money to, to even bid on him. So um, I started raising money. People were donating tack and old furniture and stuff. And I was having yard sales and trying to make a little bit of money. And then they told me about an incentive fund that they were going to award some of the trainers with. Up to five trainers they were going to award up to $500. So to write a story on why you want to keep your Mustang what will you do with your Mustang if you do? Why do you need help? Why can't you pay for it yourself? And stuff like that. So I just wrote a little story about me and Trooper and what we'd been through and our our little journeys together and, and how he really helped mend my broken heart. When I would have just sat inside, didn't feel like going out, I wouldn't have wanted to really work with a horse because I just didn't have the energy. I did it because we had that bond. We had that relationship. It was so rewarding. So, the night before the competition starts, they have the meeting with the trainers and tell her everything's going to go. And I said, okay, now we're going to announce the winners of the Don Wrap. I'm trying to incentive phone. And they, well, we have five. And they went through the list. I started out so and so, we're going to get 200. Now we're going to give 300 away to so and so. Now we're going to get 400 away to so and so. And they list four names off, and then they've got one spot left. And I'm still just holding my fingers crossed and saying a little prayer. And they said, uh, this next trainer uh, story really touched our hearts. And we've decided that we're going to up the the amount this time to help this trainer out because we really feel that they need to be able to keep their Mustang and stuff. And then I said, we've decided to give this trainer $800. And then they called my name out. And I, I couldn't speak. I couldn't do anything but cry and just say, thank you, God, for hearing my prayer, for, for helping this work out. So uh, after the competition, we ended up um, time for first in the body conditioning. And we took fifth in the in-hand competition. And um, in the, the riding portion, um, he, he, came, he came to a halt at one period of time, and it just didn't want to move forward. And I had thought about bringing a little crop in or something just to give him a little bit of a, a go, but I didn't. I, I left every, everything aside. I just wanted to be me and him. And he froze up on me for what seemed like eternity, but I think it was like 10 or 15 seconds. But that knocked us out of um, the running just a little bit. We ended up coming 17th in the riding portion. So all in all, we came 12th in the idols division, which was just too short of the top 10, or we was came back and did a freestyle. But I think that's another prayer answer that I didn't know I was praying for, because if he went in the top 10, he would have been more noticed. People... People bid high on the top 10 horses because they remembered them more.
0: Right, so right, right. I think
6: that's us staying out of the top 10 probably helped us to be able to get out without the bid getting too high. But long story short, when the auction took place, he, we ended up having just enough. The bid stopped with the 800 that they gave us and the money that I raised with the, the yard sales and stuff. We had just enough take him home if it had kept going we wouldn't have been able to, to do it we would have tried we would have had to take a loan out and uh, we would probably make a plan but we didn't know how at the moment but it didn't being exactly what we needed so he's been with me ever since Ugh. that was one of the hardest things obviously he's in my family well, i was going to say is he over there with
0: you did he come with you or is he still mm, back
6: no unfortunately he, he's not he's still in alabama at my parents farm and uh, slowly but surely, I'm trying to raise the money now to get him over here with me. But uh, that might take two years. It might take five years. I don't, I don't know the plan for that. But uh, I do know that he's never going to be sold. And I don't want him just sitting around and doing nothing. Well, he could visit my mom's forever. But I want I want him with me. You know, we, we, we belong together. So I'm going to do everything I can to get him here with me.
0: How's Trooper going to feel about the Lions roaring at night?
6: <laughs> I don't know exactly <laughs> about that. You'll have to you'll have to talk to the local horses to find out that it's actually not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> he's
0: a handsome he, he guy, We don't have too.
3: that
1: wild nature he though. Is handsome. I, I, I'm
3: drooling a little bit. Crazy. But you know, when you do know
1: a story, it just sort of makes you know, it makes things I don't know. Love is blind. But you're <laughs> right. I mean it? we'll post when a you, picture of you know know the We'll yeah. post
0: a picture in the show notes. He is a big guy. I mean, he's a big head and uh, a big guy for a, for a Mustang. When you first look at him, you wouldn't necessarily guess Mustang either.
6: No, no, you wouldn't at all. He wears a size 3 shoe, so that will give you perspective oh, of, wow. of his size. Yes. Wow. He wears a size 3 shoe, and we had him weighed uh, at uh, on a proper equine scale in 2010 Like January of two thousand and ten at the Alabama Horse Fair, we had him weighed on the proper scale and he weighed in at twelve
0: thousand seventy
6: five pounds. You mean twelve hundred, I hope. Oh sorry, yeah,
1: sorry, (laughs) (laughs) I know there are times where he's probably moving at a good clip that he feels like he's twelve
6: thousand pounds. Oh yeah, that's a bit extreme, I say.
0: I was going to say, he won't have any problem with the elephants. He'll be right up there with them. I uh, yeah,
6: we, I've been walking <laughs> elephants pretty much over here now, so yeah, I'm just kind confused.
1: <laughs> well, there's, there's a picture of somebody on a gray. There's a giraffe. It's on your Facebook page, and there, there's a giraffe, like, I don't know, maybe 20 feet away. And the horse is just, like, his head's down, and he's gra- grazing, like, whatever, giraffes. I got
6: it. I'm good. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I think that's Kika and Dave uh, from the, the horse safari. I believe that's the picture you're speaking of.
0: Well, this has been terrific and a lot of fun. There's so much more we could talk to you about. We've run out of time, but, you know, there's so much more. I'm looking at our Facebook page. I think uh, Helena is now, too, where we're seeing porcupines and, you know. Oh,
1: gosh, yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah.
0: All these critters, uh, monkeys, (laughs) and all this stuff. Well, this has been a lot of fun. We wish you the best of luck in South Africa with everything, and and also good luck uh, in raising the funds to get uh, Trooper over as well.
6: Awesome. Thank you guys so much, and thanks so much for having me. It's been so enjoyable, and how awesome technology is these days that I'm standing in Hood South Africa, and you guys are in the states, and we're able to just chat on the phone so easily. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's yeah. A- Amber Mathewson from Whispering Rain Farms in South Africa. So does that make you want to move there, Helena?
1: You know, it makes me want to... It does. I I I I've, I've never actually had a strong desire to go there and visit, but it makes me want to spend a couple of months. I don't know about permanently moving there, but I would like to go and dig my heels in and stay for a while. Yeah, for sure.
0: You want to go hang out at African Dream Horse Safari?
1: <laughs> I do. I I mean, it's scary. If I if I wasn't a mom, I could definitely see myself going there, falling in love with being a guide and I, I, I think your
0: daughter would love it too. She's kind of the, oh. she's kind of the adventurous and loves animals and all that. So, I think she'd love that too.
1: She would fit right in with those big cats. I'm <laughs> telling you, she's got a thing. She really does, and and she does. They they're, they represent so much. They represent so much. Huh. Well, yeah, maybe I would. I don't know. Living there, I don't know, but definitely. Should we add it to I, our? I could, when we Move get our door. big
0: sponsor, we should we should we add it to our traveling list and do a show for
1: sure. Oh my god, <laughs> I would go out knocking on doors to get a sponsorship just
0: for that trip. Yeah, that does sound like fun. Yeah. Well, now in cooperation with Charles Owen and Riders for Helmets, the Horse Radio Network presents a special holiday series called Giving the Gift of Safety, Purchasing a Helmet for Your Loved One at Christmas. And this is part four of that series. And we're going to hear from a woman who who also was in the extreme Mustang makeover. And until the age of 40, never wore a helmet. Let's see why she has changed her mind now. <laughs> Glenn the Geek here, founder of the Horse Radio Network. We are excited to bring you a special holiday helmet mini-series, giving the gift of safety, purchasing a helmet for your loved ones at Christmas. Today we hear the story of Anna Shaban, extreme Mustang makeover competitor and a non-helmet wearer her entire life. What changed your mind about helmets? We find out today. This series is sponsored by Charles Owen. When Charles Owen himself founded the company in 1911, his mission was to make products for a safer world. The incorporation of the latest technology in protection, fit, and ventilation allows you to focus on riding in the knowledge that your Charles Owen helmet will take the very best care of you safety comfort fit all wrapped up in a helmet that is the epitome of style in each discipline why wait any longer nothing says you care more than the gift of a charles Owen helmet for the holidays there's a trained helmet fitter waiting in your local tax store or you can find charles Owen helmets at any of your favorite online tack outlets give the gift of safety and style this christmas with charles owen and now the story of anna shavin Hi, Anna, and thank you for joining us today to tell your amazing story. Now, as I understand it from Lindsay at Riders for Helmets, you were not a helmet wearer originally.
1: No, I wasn't. Um, I grew up in South Central Nebraska, and basically in that area, people just don't wear helmets. You know, we've kind of viewed them as, that's what people who ride English use, and out here, you know, we use our horses for chasing cows and and stuff like that, so we just never even think about buying a helmet or wearing one, and we really don't even have a place where you can get a helmet in this area. So, you know, I spent all my life not wearing a helmet until just recently.
0: And and why did you start? What well, You were in Extreme Mustang Makeover, as I understand it, right? You participated in that?
1: Yeah, um, I was in the Supreme Extreme Mustang Makeover, and um, Riders for Helmets sponsored a um, helmet incentive there, and it was $500 for the highest score who signed up for the program. And, you know, I saw the dollar signs. I was like, hey, how hard is it to wear a helmet? And maybe I can make some money doing it. Um, I didn't have a helmet, so I talked to somebody who was Rebecca Bowman, and I talked to her, and she said she had one I could borrow, and I put it on for the competition. And I was actually, I didn't even ride for the competition. The part I was showing in was all in hand. So, I mean, it was kind of funny. You know, here I am, never wore a helmet, and I'm just leading a horse around, and I'm wearing a helmet. Um, I know I have friends at home that kind of made fun of me, but they're like, I'm like, hey, I might make 500 bucks, so what the heck, you know? (laughs) It's worth it. So, and I did actually win the $500. Oh, did you? (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, I thought, well, that wasn't so bad. So, anyway, I that was the first time I had ever worn a helmet in my life, and I'm almost 40 years old. So, you know, it's just one of those things. You know, just in this area, I'm probably one of the only people who wear a helmet just because it's so not seen.
0: It's just you know, not, the, only it's place not you can, the fashion there. Right,
1: right, and the only place you can actually, like, buy a helmet, you know, you can get a a uh, cheap helmet like at a tractor supply store right but other than that you can't really even buy helmets in this area so I you know I just never came across and I've been riding horses since I was two years old uh used to ride you know about eight hours a day and it was just something I never did and I took a lot of spills and you know a helmet could have probably definitely helped me along <laughs> not getting injured as much as I did but But anyway, after my Supreme Extreme Mustang makeover, I came home, and I was training a horse um, for another Extreme Mustang makeover. I'm in the Extreme Mustang barrel race, and I had just started riding my horse for that, and she had a little bit of buck to her. And one day I was out riding her on the trail, and she took a pretty good hop, hop, and um, I ended up landing right on my head and ended up in the hospital getting x-rays and i had a pretty pretty good concussion so um after that i borrowed one of my friend's helmets because the doctor basically told me don't ride anymore until you know several months from now till your brain can get a chance to heal and i told her that that wasn't an option and um
0: (laughs) typical horse girl there
1: (laughs) yeah i know she sounded like my chiropractor i don't know these people all tell me not to ride and I told her, you know, I could maybe take like a couple of days off, but I wasn't going to like not ride at all. And she said, well, you know, if you can, you need to get a helmet and wear that. And so I thought, well, you know, you know, had I not been in that extreme Mustang makeover and wore one for that incentive program, I probably would have just said, oh, forgive it, you know. But I really didn't think they were going to be comfortable and I thought they would be, you know, hot and, um, Just wearing one that little bit of time, I thought, oh, you know, it wasn't really that bad. And so um, I borrowed a helmet from my friend, and I ordered one online. And since then, I've been wearing a helmet every time I ride.
0: And now have you found it? Now, has it gotten to the point yet where when you're putting it on, it's just you don't even think about it anymore?
1: Yeah. You know, it was funny. The other day I was riding, and I got done, and I didn't even realize I hadn't taken it off. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and if you guys, if people live in an area where it's hard to find helmets, there's great places you can get them online. You just have to measure your head and find, you know, one that's going to work for you. Um, I know several of my friends now have started wearing helmets since I wear one.
0: Oh, you started a trend? Well, congratulations for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, well, when you live in an area and it's just nobody wears it and somebody might make fun of you. You know, when you see somebody else wearing one, then it's like, oh well, if they're wearing one, I can wear one, and then they'll make fun of both of us. But
0: <laughs> you know, it's so it's so interesting that we have you, you know we most states have laws about wearing helmets when you ride your bike. Um, yeah. Yet you know people, pe- and people don't think twice about that anymore. You just put your helmet on, especially if you know, like you're riding on the road, you put your helmet on and you go, and it, you know it's become the thing. And I think. That's the same way, and what you just said, it's the same way with helmet wearing. When it becomes the thing, then nobody thinks about it anymore. Well, that's terrific. Uh, You know, obviously now a convert, and thank you, and congratulations, by the way, for helping protect your head because you can only take so many, I'm sure your doctor told you this, you can only take so many bounces on your head before it becomes a serious problem.
1: Right. Well, and you know, like this week, I'm in that Extreme Mustang barrel race, and, you know, if you ever watch barrel races, you don't see very many people wearing a helmet.
0: Nope. It's
1: just, it's just one of those things that I guarantee you while I'm down there, I'm going to be wearing my helmet.
0: Well, good. And you're going to be setting an example for everybody else. And that's where it starts. I mean, it starts with one person. Um, so, yep. Somebody has to be the one to start it. And Well, thank you, Anna, for being that one. We appreciate you joining us today. And best of luck. Uh, best of luck at the barrel race. Okay, thank you. Thank you to Riders for Helmets for everything they do for helmet awareness and safety. You can visit them at riders4helmets.com. And thank you to Charles Owen. You can visit them at charlesowen.co.uk. And you can hear all the shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Talk to you again next week.
1: This Tack and Habit segment is sponsored by Stable Comfort by Promat.
2: Hey, folks, Coach Jen here from the Horse Tip Daily Show. All of us as horsemen mull over our horse's nutrition and stress out over their stress level and fret about their fitness. But when is the last time you puzzled over your horse's lounging and sleeping comfort? Research has shown us over and over that quantity as well as quality of rest and sleep are crucial for top athletic performance as well as overall well-being. Enter Stable Comfort by Promat. Astute horsemen everywhere have been trusting Stable Comfort by Promat to provide unsurpassed comfort for their equine charges as well as an efficient and economical stall flooring system that saves them both labor and bedding dollars. Still not sure? Well, here's what one of Stable Comfort by Promat's customers has to say. When I built my first custom stables slightly more than eight years ago, one of my greatest concerns was the stall mat selection. Frankly, I would rather have no stall mats than mats that constantly shift, tripping horses and requiring extra shavings to hide the problems in an attempt to make horses comfortable, and most of all, I dreaded the burden of having to move heavy mats and repack stall foundations. Mission accomplished, thanks to Promat for delivering an excellent product. The horses love it because it is comfortable. I love it because it looks perfect, even after eight years. We bed the stalls only as needed and use far less shavings than I ever could have had imagined. And it takes less time to clean the stalls when using less bedding. And that's from Anne Dewarge of Little Rock, Arkansas. But the accolades don't stop there. Head on over to stablecomfort.com and find out why champions like Nick Skelton, Mary King, and Chris Cox use Stable Comfort by Promat Systems for their equine athletes.
1: interesting um, story today. It's it's a small story, but um, it's really a big story. We're going to talk to Marcia Hancock, who wrote a story called A Daughter's Remembrance. And it's not actually a story. It's more of a memoir, and um, it has to do with her relationship with her father and their rescue horse named Snoops. So we're going to have Marcia on, and she's going to tell us a history behind the story and where we can find it.
0: Well, hi, Marcia. Thank you for joining us for our tack and habits segment. And you know, we've had a lot of authors on the show over the years, uh, and and so many of the books have been so much fun. And a lot of them have been about about the author's past, and yours is about that too, right?
3: Yes, absolutely. And it's called um, uh, a daughter's
0: <laughs> remembrance.
3: A daughter's remembrance. Yes, it's a a short recollection of my. Um, Life with Snoops and how and the great impact he had on my relationship with myself and my father.
0: And so okay, the relationship with your father, so this whole book isn't just about him bitching about how much it costs, right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, uh he did step in when the cost gotta be a little much for me because uh Snoop's was a rescue horse and he was uh Quite uh, emaciated when I bought him uh, for only $100, a paper quarter horse for only $100. Mm-hmm. And uh, it got very expensive for me, and he did step in and help out financially, and then he and Snoops just fell in love.
0: How old were you when Snoops came into your life?
3: Um, I would say my uh, late 20s, early 30s. Oh, really? About that okay. time. Yes. Oh, wow. okay. yes.
1: And you were, have you been close, were you close with your dad the whole, your, most of your life, or what was your relationship like before Snoop's, and then how did it change after Snoop's arrival?
3: Oh, well, Snoop's definitely uh, was a bonding agent between myself and my dad. Um, we were not close, but, uh, you know, we, we kept in touch and loved each other and knew uh, lived separate lives, but uh, Snoop's actually uh, brought us together. We had a shared experience I don't think we had had before, and um, it was a lot of time that a one-on-one time with my dad uh, when we would go uh, riding together, especially trail running. Um, Snips was a great trail horse.
0: And and what? Tell us a little bit about what what exactly is the book about? Is um, you know how would you classify the book?
3: Uh, I would say a kind of a personal biography for any age group. Um, it's the first in a series of stories. Uh, uh, Snoop's, although he was a mature rescue, hope he was quite the quite the character and uh, was always getting into a lot of trouble. So uh, he loved mares, and uh, he was always putting <laughs> himself out there to be. I do too. So uh, it's the first in, a, in a, a series of stories about my dad and Snoop's and some of our adventures and. Um, I thought it would be great to uh, present how um, how positive an impact a rescue horse can have on people's lives, and how much value they bring uh, into our lives.
0: And this is available. How is it? It's a Kindle edition only at this point.
3: Uh, right now, it's an e-story. And uh, what my plan is is uh, when I have three or four of the stories uh, written and published on Amazon, is to uh, publish them as a book and okay. uh, you can download it for Kindle. Uh, for Pro- Kindle Prime, uh, folks, it's uh, free. And now iPad, uh, if you ha- don't have a Kindle and have an iPad, you can download Kindle on y- onto your iPad for free and then download it from there.
0: And the Kindle purchase mm-hmm. price is $1.99. I mean, uh, this is probably one of the, le- the least expensive things we've ever done in Tack and Habit.
1: Yeah, um, and I'll, I'll tell you, and, if, you, if and you don't, my daughter has a Nook, I, which is sort of, you know, the, alternate version of the Kindle, and um, it's really, it's still very special. When we download a story for her or something, it's a special thing. Um, it, it's a nice little gift idea or something that you can share with your kid or someone you're close to. So,
3: um, oh, And working with Amazon yeah. is a lot of fun. And uh, the other thing is that it uh, benefits 20% of the uh, proceeds go to special horses. So uh, it, uh, you do help some uh, rescue groups at the same time.
0: Well, that's terrific. Well, we're going to post a link to this on our Facebook page and also in our show notes at StableScoop.com. The book is called A Daughter's Remembrance. If you go onto Amazon and just type in A Daughter's Remembrance, the book will pop up. Uh, and you can you can download it as we said right there. Uh, and you know, I wish you luck in the in the rest of your your chapters of of your time here with with the rescue. We, all those of us that have had rescues, you know, we've talked about rescues a lot here. You're absolutely right about how they affect your life. Um,
3: oh yes, yes. Well, thank you very much for allowing me uh, to share my uh, story with your listeners, And um, thank you very much. I really appreciate
0: it. Great. We're going to
1: look forward to more from you.
0: Marcia Hancock. Oh, well, thank you. Marcia Hancock, A Daughter's Remembrance. Just look it up on Amazon. Well, thank you. That's something, you know, that's a little bit fun and and very inexpensive that you can do uh, for somebody in the holidays. And, you know, one of the things is this book isn't meant just for kids, although kids are apparently loving it, but it's uh, for adults, too. And, And, you know, I was surprised when she told us, weren't you expecting to say I was 12? When yeah. I got the rescue horse and yeah. my dad, not in the late 20s. And that whole thing makes it a little bit different, uh, a different thing altogether.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's funny how your soul really doesn't age. You know, we, we just, the, the, this story is relevant whether you're 12 or 20. Right. Or 40 right. or 60. It's, uh, you know, there's always time for, no, there's always room for horses to... Uh, teach us how to be better friends, family members, you know, people. It doesn't matter what age you are.
0: And you know, A cool. lot of our audience listening right now is, uh, you know, is in their 40s and just got back into horses or getting into horses for the first time when the kids are grown and now they're getting out to do their own thing. So yeah. I think they'll relate to this story a lot.
1: Agreed. Agreed. It's a good, it's, it's a good, I like it a lot, actually a lot. <laughs> I want more of it. But she says more is coming, so we'll keep our eyes open for Marcia Hancock, A Daughter's Remembrance.
0: Well, very good, Helena. That's about it. We had a jam-packed show full of a lot of guests today. Uh, yeah. And we're, uh, we'll be back again next week with another great show. For details about today's show, just go to StableScoop.com. We'll put all the links to all the guests and all of their links on there. That's just the easiest way. Any of the episodes you listen to, that's just the easiest way to go find them. And I had a, a, a listener write to us and ask about past episodes that she said there's only like 50 past episodes on on iTunes and that is correct. We're only allowed to put so many on iTunes. They limit that. So if you want more than the past 50 episodes, you want to go back and listen to episode number 1 or 10 or 50, you can do that on our website. That's the best way. Just go to stablescoop.com, find the episodes you want. They're all there, and just take a listen, or you can download it and just load it onto your uh, iPod or MP3 player that way. But that's the best way to listen to past episodes.
1: Mm. That's what I do. Because I do, I go. that's <laughs> the only way I can really. I have to download them chunks at a time so I can listen when I'm on a road trip.
0: Hey, let's give a plug too for my wife's show, which we don't do a lot. Uh, Horse Tip Daily, which uh, is my favorite. Yep, she's still doing Horse Tip Daily, and, and oh, putting out several tips a week. So you'll you'll find those over at horsetipdaily.com. That's a short show. That's five ten minutes, uh, where we really we take uh, some things that have come out on the other shows, and she does some original content for that. And she's over 720 tips over there. I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> I
1: know. It's awesome. It's awesome. Sometimes, and because it is my favorite show, and it's the one that I make the most time to listen to. Um, but, it, like, if I'm on the road or something, I'm in my truck and I'm driving and I'm listening, and I'm like, oh, i got to write that down, or i got to remember which episode that was, because when I get back to the barn, I have to re-listen to it, you know. So I, sometimes I wish that we had a little reference book of horse tip daily tips.
0: Well, the one nice thing about that website is you can go on and do the search. And the search, you know, if you search for a specific word or topic, it'll bring it up. There Uh, you go. Plus, she categorizes everything. On the left side, there's a drop-down menu where she categorizes all the tips into different categories. So if you want to if you want tips about shoeing, you can just pull up shoeing, and it'll bring all the tips that have been done. So, so she is doing that uh, on that website, and uh, which makes it easier for you to find certain tips. If You want tips on horse massage, then you can just search massage, and it'll bring all the tips up that are about massage. Uh, now you can't do that on your MP3 player; you have to do that on the website. So, uh, but very good. Well, thank you to our sponsors for this show as well: Draper Therapies, Charles Owen, and Stable Comfort by Promat. Uh, As I said, we'll be back again next week, Helena.
1: With a heck of a lot more. Thanks for listening and happy scooping.